Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. As you know, the original Commonwealth Games, 1930, were held right here in Hamilton. And there's long been talk that the 100th anniversary might be a fit, could be a fit, and there has been move afoot to try to make that happen. However, a couple things have, well, you've probably noticed a couple of them that have jumped into the way of this. Uh, The first one is this little thing called COVID, which has distracted everyone and caused governments to spend an awful lot of money that may have been available, I guess, for things like this. But the other is there is interest seemingly in other parts of Canada and the world in the 2030 games. So should Hamilton, if it wants to get the Commonwealth Games, jump the queue a little bit and go for four years earlier, go for 2026. It's a tight time frame, but should they do it? Well, the group that is behind this bid is still pushing ahead, still looking and seeing how this might be able to be done. Lou Fraporti is with that group and he joins us now. Lou, how are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you doing this. My pleasure. Uh, I mean, the first question, I'm sure you've heard this an awful lot with everything that's been going on. I'm sure people have asked you, are we, are you still pushing ahead with this? Are you, you do know what's been going on. How, what is the balancing act between saying, yes, we understand what's going on in the world and yes, we still think we should push ahead with this? Well, it's a great question. And, and I clearly do know what's going on. I, I had a pop up on my computer remind me that I was supposed to be leaving with uh, with my wife for Vegas tomorrow so there's a mm. pang of sadness and and not going anywhere and so we're all stuck in this together um, and none of us uh, I would add in relation to the the offer that we've been given in, in relation to 20 or um, to 26 had invited the conversation in fact we were thrilled that we had been named having worked for it for two years as Canada's preferred host city for 2030. Uh, but in, in having this offer presented to us a couple of weeks ago and reflecting on, on the pandemic and what it's causing economically and what it will cause economically for this region, we um, we stopped to reflect on, on whether this event and all that comes with it, frankly, uh, could be something that would permit the community uh, to heal and grow in a way that it might not otherwise. And, and it, it becomes not so much a story about sport uh, but a story about economic development, tourism, employment, and all the things that come with an event of that magnitude. Clearly, and, and I mean, Steve Milton wrote a great piece, and people can go read it in the spec uh, or on the spec.com today, but I mean, clearly one of the big issues around this, and again, I, I'm not breaking any news to you, I'm, I'm positive of that, is that with all the money governments have spent and all the debt that they've incurred, I think it's probably a fair guess that some of some governments are going to be less inclined to be th- throwing more money at things like this, which would then put more of the onus if we're going to push ahead with the games on the private sector, correct? Sure. And uh, obviously, uh, decisions about what governments spend on is well above my pay grade. And it, it, it's unquestionably the case in our recent discussions with various levels of government uh, that we're going to wait and hope to have some feedback from them in the relatively near term, certainly at the federal and provincial level, as to whether um, those governments can support uh, a pivot to to 2026 for this region as part of the spending that they would typically do in areas of sport, recreation, tourism. And in this case, we hope and expect as a way of catalyzing uh, investment in this region, which, as you say, is going to require much more private engagement in this bid proposal than what we had planned for 2030. 
And is that money out there? Because the private sector has also been taking a pounding these days. Do you believe that that money exists out there, that there is, there are private sector investors who would be willing to step up and have the capacity to do that? Well, again, I don't know, but I can tell you, for example, today and yesterday and tomorrow, I've got meetings, uh, uh, virtual meetings with companies that are, for example, in the affordable housing space that have very interesting product offerings. They see the potential for um, the investment in the creation of affordable housing in Hamilton centered on the games as a way of advancing their business interests. And it's those conversations with a variety of different companies that I think hold a lot of promise because companies will continue to do business. They're looking for opportunities to grow and develop their brands. The number of eyeballs that see an event of this magnitude and and the exposure that it can provide um, in the region, in this region and beyond, has considerable value. How much we're exploring, uh, we'll investigate. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't make sense financially for the various levels of government or private industry, then it's a dead letter. It's not going to proceed. Our only perspective on this is we feel um, that it's important to try, to look, to assess, to see whether there's a path forward as something that would provide relatively immediate benefit to the Hamilton region. And and we really feel that if not this week or next, because clearly everybody's focus is rightly on the pandemic, that questions about economic investment and, and the, the stories that are going to be told about why it is that companies that are not in this region should come to Hamilton and invest are made uh, appreciably easier by mounting a games of this magnitude. And that's the hope. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are talking Commonwealth Games. We're talking about Hamilton and whether or not we go ahead. The, the original idea was 2030. Now it may be 2026. But in light of everything else, we're chatting about how doable this is or how you adjust the bid if the determination was that it's going to be doable. Lou Forporti is with the Commonwealth Bid Committee, uh, the Hamilton 100 Group. And Lou, this, uh, as I'm reading, one of the things that already has happened with this is because 2026 is a lot closer to us right now, cuts the time considerably, this would alter what the Commonwealth Games look like, both in terms of the size, the scope of it, and also where it's going to be played and where it's going to be contested. It could be a little bit of everywhere, right? That's entirely possible, and one of the things that we're doing right now is going through uh, a variety of different planning scenarios, depending upon how much time we might have to prepare that scale, how much infrastructure would be required, less if closer to the actual time, more if we have more time, whether we can use facilities that are not in Hamilton to run the games, but in that regard... It, it means that there's less investment in infrastructure legacy for the for the city of Hamilton. So these are the things that we're working through right now in anticipation of having further meetings with the province and federal government over their involvement. And in that regard, let me turn back to something that you asked about whether there's going to be enough money. And here I would say that it's a question really for both government and for private business as to whether there's going to be an opportunity for a return on their investment. Because as you can appreciate, communities across the country will have their hand out for stimulus spending and shovel-ready projects. And here, um, this is a differentiated opportunity. We, we get to promote what is really innovation and economic development in this region to a global audience as presenting a greater return on the investment of money to put on the games, both to our public institutions and our private ones. And it is different. It reaches so many people uh, and is I think so powerful in its messaging that it becomes a way that we can you know, we can craft a narrative that sells this region and its potential 
to global audiences around the world and private investors in a way that, that other events can't. And I think that at the end of the day will be helpful. When is our time frame though? Because 2026, uh, I mean, you can't be, we saw what happened in Delhi when they were holding the games a few years ago and they were literally spackling the building still the day that people were showing up and doing other stuff. You can't be finishing right then. You have to have some lead time. And six years is not a lot of time to build new infrastructure and all the things you're talking about. So what, what's, the, what's the time frame when we have to have a decision to say, yes, we're pushing ahead with this or not? So there isn't a specific deadline. We, we hope to have a decision of at least an expression of interest from the federal and provincial government over the next two to three months. Uh, and, and then if we have that from those uh, levels of government, can get earnestly into the discussion of, about what uh, exactly an agreement would look like, what funding would be required, and what milestones would be in place for construction. And we can slide. I mean, it's a question then of, of knowing how much time we have and then driving a program to build facilities as, as time permits. And if we don't have as much time as we'd like, then clearly the planning would be a little bit more modest. Um, and so it's entirely flexible. And if we can't do it, either because we're not in a position to secure the funding that's required or for whatever other reason it's not possible to do it, then we won't. And of course, we are not withdrawing our bid for 2030, and that remains out there. One of the things I found very interesting about this whole bid, and and you've alluded to it a couple times in this, is that this is not so much a sports project as it is an infrastructure project, which I, I get and I understand how that will sell some people on the idea for sure. But when you position it like that, and it's a logical position, but when you position it like that, when the time comes, if the games were to come, to sell tickets and sell the sports side of it. How do you do that then when you've told everybody, but it's not really about sports, it's just about getting a pool or getting a new field or getting an arena? Well, I, I don't think it's, it's about a binary choice as, as it's one thing or the other. I think it's both and all those things and more. It depends on the constituency that you're talking to. Uh, for our anchor institutions like McMaster and Mohawk and the city's economic development group, exploring areas of, of innovation, sustainable development, uh, especially in, in affordable housing, uh, becomes a really important message to them. For other communities, um, certainly those who, who are interested in athletics, it's that. So it's a variety of things to a, a, a broad group of constituencies here and, and elsewhere. And I think that's one of the other compelling messages. There's so much in this kind of programming uh, for the region that speaks to so many constituencies and, and especially our most disadvantaged. This isn't going to happen and won't get by City Council unless there's a very aggressive program around building up the stock of affordable housing in our city, which we can do with the help and support of really innovative companies that are interested in doing that. And the volume of that development and our expectation isn't going to exist absent the games. So for, for communities that struggle with having affordable housing, that becomes a story that's very important to them. And so we can speak to so many different people in so many different ways. And it's one of the things that makes us so optimistic about bringing the games to Hamilton. Lou Fraporti, member of Hamilton 100. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this today. Sorry you missed Vegas, but thank you for doing this today. That's my pleasure. Take care. Uh, yeah, Commonwealth Games. It's going to be on the agenda somehow because... Governments do also have a few other things that may be distracting them a little bit. And I, I, you know, I do wonder how much of an ear you're going to get when you walk into a government office now and say, hey, let's talk Commonwealth Games. And they're saying, uh, you do notice what's going on. We're a little busy. We'll, we'll see how, how much of an ear they're able to get. Love to hear from you. 
Send me a note, radley at 900chml.com, if you are hoping they succeed or hoping this thing doesn't succeed. I mean, everyone's got their opinion. I'd love to hear from you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Somebody watching you? Are you outside? Are you doing something you shouldn't be doing, like standing (laughs) within six feet of someone else? (gasps) I mean, I'm not trying to make light of the coronavirus thing, but it seems as though here in Hamilton... And I mean, like, I don't want to be dumping on my city folk mates, but few people need to find some other hobbies because apparently we are a city of snitches. Andrew Dreschel wrote a piece in the spec today, and he points out there have been more complaints to the city about people possibly, possibly breaking COVID-19 rules than actual cases of coronavirus in the city. So you think about this one. Most of the people who have it that we know of anyway are either at home or in hospital or whatever. But other people are just having snitches telling on them over and over again. Now I know, you know, some people are saying, wait a second, they're not really snitches. They're being good citizens. They're, they're helping draw these people back into their homes and they're helping to stop the problem. Okay. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not whatever word you want to call it. And if you do have a bunch of people who are doing something ridiculous, if you've got 25 people standing around having a a kegger on someone's front lawn or whatever. I mean, okay, I, you know, like I, I get it. I, there, there are times when I would say, yeah, I get it. I'm not going to call you a snitch, but there's other times like, come on, we know from past experience, we know that people have called the city because someone played road hockey in front of their house or basketball on the road in front of their house. We know these people are out there, right? The people who are the neighborhood watch, the single person neighborhood watch party. I want to know if you would do this. Would you ever call the city to report someone in your neighborhood, someone you see as you're driving along, a group of people? Would would you do that? I, I like, and again, I, I've probably positioned this now. I've poisoned the waters probably by making it sound like it's a horrible, horrible thing to do. Not necessarily. And as I say, there are cases when it would obviously make sense, but I'd like to know if you would ever call the city. Do you, on this or something else, have you ever called the city on something someone else has done? That's really the question here. Or do you say, you know what? Live and let live. If they're doing something stupid and the police or someone comes by, let them be caught, but I'm not going to turn them in. Where do you stand on this one? Uh, I do want to mention, by the way, as we're talking about this, did you hear in the news when Rick Zamperin was giving the news at the top of the hour that Hamilton City Hall was contemplating this request by a bunch of people to open James Street North, shut down the traffic, car traffic, and allow it now to be a pedestrian area? There were a couple hundred people, apparently, who signed a petition, and the city council has now thrown it to their emergency, COVID emergency group, whatever. So... A number of councillors, you heard Judy Partridge on the news saying, no, this is kind of stupid. A number of councillors saying, no, this is a bad idea. Others, though, not closing the door on this idea. Well, I I have one question about this as we are talking about snitches, sort of, about this whole issue. Apparently, a whole bunch of people got tickets here in the city recently for walking in a golf course 
walking on golf courses or by the waterfalls, walking in public areas, but that are closed off, but they're public areas. How, what's the difference? If you were to close down the traffic on James Street and say you can walk on James Street, a public area, how is that any different from someone walking on a golf course, a public golf course, and getting a ticket for that? How is that different? Tell me one way that that's different. And if you say, well, sidewalks are too narrow, therefore people have to get out onto the street to maintain their social distancing. Well, the trails are narrow. Or the back streets are narrow. There's all kinds of places that are narrow. There's no difference between someone walking on a golf course to get some fresh air and someone walking downtown, except for the fact that downtown, there's higher density, so there's probably more chance of more people gathering in that area. Makes no sense. None. I'm hoping that they smarten up enough and come back and say, no, no, we're, we're going to keep the cars. That's, that's a dumb idea because it flies directly in the face of what we're trying to do here. We've shut down all the public areas. Now we're going to open one up because why? Because it's James Street North? Because a few people have asked for this to happen? Well, look, I'd like the public golf courses to be open so I can walk. I would like a petition to be done. So No, come on. But I want to get back to the point. Would you ever call the city to tell on someone doing something? And there's not necessarily, I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing to do this because there are people who are doing stupid stuff. And at times, you know what? There are people that need to have someone come and tell them smarten up. Whether it's COVID, whether it's, would you ever call if your neighbor was having a loud party? Have you ever called if your neighbor was having a loud party? Are you one of the people who's called to complain about ball hockey? Or soccer or something some kids are playing on the street? Or do you say, no, you know what? None of my business. I am responsible for me and that's it. I want to hear from you. Whether you would ever call, whether you would be one of the people, maybe in this case saying, you know what? Those things are stupid, but COVID is serious. So I would call and report someone who was, or a group who was gathering together. Yes, I would call and report someone because that's the responsible right thing to do. Where do you stand on this one? Which side would you be on? The tellers or the stay in the house and not tell? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Talking about getting involved. Because in Hamilton, a lot of people have gotten involved calling the city and reporting people who are standing in groups, cavorting, but sometimes not doing all that much other than, you know, catching the eye of someone and they've called to say, oh, I think that guy might be in a public park. Well, there's been a lot of tickets written and stuff like that. Would you call? Would you ever call the city and report someone or do you say, nope, that is just, that's their business, not my business, each man for himself or woman? Stefan is up first. Stefan, how are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Excellent. You are coronavirus free, I trust. <laughs> yes, I am. Excellent. Uh, would you be a guy who would call the city, or are you a live-and-let-live kind of guy? Well, I'm not live-and-let-live. If there's a huge group, yes. Right, so under certain city. circumstances. Indeed. But, you know, if there's one person walking around, uh, live-and-let-live, of course. 
But you know as well as I do, Stefan, that that there are people who it's almost as if, and I I get the the, uh, sense anyway, that it's almost as if someone would love to call because you feel like you're doing your civic duty if you've done that then, even if it may be a little too over the top. Indeed, like I said, you, you, I agree with you, Scott. The scary duty is if a bunch of group of people are hanging around at the parks or the streets or whatever. Yes, one person running, being nosy, whatever. That's no good. Stefan, I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling no, thank tonight. You, Scott, Stay much. well. Uh, let us go to Mike. Uh, hold on, there he is, Mike. How are you tonight? Very good. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you. Are you a call the city and report kind of guy, or are you a let them do what they're going to do, and if someone catches them, so be it? Well, there was once I did call, and it had nothing to do with the COVID. This was a long time ago. But I had a neighbor who had someone living in their backyard. Living in the backyard? Yes. Okay. And, and they would get into disagreement, and so she, to get back at him, she would lock him out of the backyard. <laughs> so he would be determined to get back in the backyard, and he would use my brand-new fence to walk along to jump into the backyard. All right. So see, now that that to me though, Mike, is not a call just to be getting involved. You've got an issue with your own property. That that to me is a is a perfectly legitimate reason to call the city. I agree. That that that's see that to me is not just nosiness or is not just being I don't know, getting into someone else's business. I would make the same call if that was if that was me. Yes, yes. Mike, I, I do, go ahead. I do I was just going to say I do get frustrated when some of the simple things they're asking of us with the COVID-19 and a lot of people are still not getting it and you, you see them not getting it and it frustrates you because you're feeling, I'm trying my hardest and they're not even giving an effort. And Mike, you know, you're absolutely right about that. At the same time, if someone is doing that and you make a call, like I, I, I look at it like I'm with you. If there's a big group that's gathering or something that is clearly way out of line, that might be something. But you know what? You can't... Mike and Scott and nobody else can call and solve all the problems. We just can't. We just can't. Mike, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Don't worry. Take care. Uh, let me go to Ben here for a second. Ben's on the other side of the glass. Ben's doing the, the hard work today. Ben, would you be a caller to the city if you saw someone walking through a public park? Or as we saw... Where was this, the story that someone got... I think it was was it Oakville? Someone got a ticket for doing chin-ups in a public park on a chin-up bar. Um, w- would you be the caller to report the person or couple people who were doing something maybe illegal? Or are you just say, ah, whatever? For the most part, I'm pretty... Uh, you're going to do what you do. And I, I can't stop that. The other thing is also... Say you're like just leaving a conservation area or something. Well, it's like, okay, so in the 30 seconds it takes for you to be finishing your time in there and the time it takes me to call someone, to then come out here, to then go look for you, they're gone already. It's like, well, I just wasted their time when they could have been out doing something else. And it's not just calling. It's there. I'll I'll say this and I, I I say this with love, (laughs) but there, there are some people that need to remember to calm down just a touch, just a little bit. All right. I mean, my wife was in the grocery store the other day and she came home and said I, she had to walk by somebody because the person had decided they were going to pack all their own groceries so no one would touch them. And my wife then had to get by because she was going to get on the other side. And as she tried to get by her, the woman goes, ma'am, and stuck out her hand and basically told her to stop for 10 minutes while she packed individually each piece of groceries. And it's like, you know... 
we do still live in a society where you're going to have some, some, you can hold your breath when you walk by if you have to. One thing I've often wondered is what is the, if the effect is effectiveness, effectiveness, that's the word I'm looking for. What's the effectiveness of you and the other person? Okay. Both face away from each other completely back to back and then just slide past. I mean, we could be, look, for all we know, you could be passing COVID not with six feet distance, but with a 90 foot distance. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know most of the stuff about this yet. So, I mean, you've got two choices. You either never go out anywhere out and just grow vegetables and hope they grow fast enough in your backyard to feed you. Start now. Yeah. Well, you should have started last summer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Or, or you know what? There there has got to be some element of risk, but also I think, and again, talking about this thing about stitching, there's got to be some element of, you know... Unless someone's doing something really egregious, don't be that busybody. That and the fact that, you know, the people who are taking the calls at the city are eventually going, cool, Greg's calling again. It's only the third time this day. That's right. Thanks, Greg. We'll be right on there. Uh, yeah. You go read Andrew's piece in the spec. It's, it's a, it's a very thought provoking piece that, uh, well, provoked my thoughts and made me decide I'm not calling on anyone. Unless I see someone out there licking people's door handles or something. Or I, I, would, I might call for that. If, some, if I saw someone licking a neighbor's door handle, I think I would call for that. A, because of the COVID, and B, because I think they may need to be taken somewhere with rubber walls. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.